It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And Jill, did you notice the other day while you were out and about that there is a seasonal event happening? Um, it snowed. It did snow, but when I was out at the hardware store the other day, there was a table set up, and these young ladies outside selling their wares. Ah, I think I know what you're referring to. It's Girl Scout cookie time. It is Girl Scout cookie time. And while Girl Scout cookie week or month or day is in March, we are going to celebrate early. Is that okay with well, you? Well, you know what, Chris? Yeah, and in fact, depending, I know we have listeners all over the country, and the Girl Scout cookie time is different depending on where <gasps> you live. Because really? there are two bakers, um, Little Brownie Bakers and ABC Bakers, that bake all the Girl Scout cookies for yeah. the whole country. And they have to kind of spread out. They can't make do all their business oh, in like one month of the year. Yeah, yeah. so where, depending on where you're listening from, it may or may not be Girl Scout cookie time where you are. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, you know what? It can be Girl Scout cookie time all year long, thanks to Cookie Chris, Lab. Did you make? did you make Girl Scout cookies? I made Thin Mints. Ooh, this is going to be so good. Right? Uh, I love the Thin Mints. Are mm-hmm. you a frozen Thin Mint fan or, Definitely. A, yep. or a, a room temperature? I mean, I'd say both, but I, I always stash them in the freezer. It's a debate. Some people are hardcore frozen Thin Mint fans, which I am, I am on that. We, I, for some reason, we've always kept them in the freezer. Maybe it's to prolong it's like, their it's shelf like another life. Layer, or maybe, but I think it's like another dimension of deliciousness. I always thought that it was because my spouse did not want me to eat them mm. all up. Could but, be, or maybe so that the delicious chocolate doesn't melt on your fingers. Could be when you serve them. Any yeah. reason, I had a tremendous amount of fun making these thin mint cookies. And after this podcast, you can find me uh, selling them on the corner outside of the hardware <laughs> store on the opposite side of the Girl Scout table. <laughs> You're going to compete with the Girl Scout? It's <laughs> well, going to be tough. I, I have to get the funding for Cookie Lab. Yeah. And also, the Girl Scouts do have a gluten-free flavor, but thin mints... Girl Scout Thin Mints are not gluten-free. No, right. And I made a gluten-free Thin Mint. And just again, ladies and gentlemen, it was a one-to-one substitution. I did nothing different, and we will discuss the flavor. But first, some history for us. Are you ready for the exciting history of the Thin Mint? I'm ready. I can't. I hope I, I was a Girl Scout myself and a Girl Scout leader for my daughter's troop. So I'm, I'm wondering if there, if you're actually going to have new information for me. You might be an expert. Do you know when the Girl Scout cookies first started and where? No, I will tell you that the Girl Scout cookie operation is the largest girl led business in the United States of America. After that, I I couldn't tell you too much more about the cookies themselves. Well, they started with the mistletoe troop in Muskegee, Oklahoma. Go, girls! In 1917, they baked and sold their first batch in their high school cafeteria. 
That's 105 years ago that Girl Scout cookies started. Not surprising. The girls are an enterprising bunch. So they just did it as a bake sale. You know, I've sold a lot of cookies and brownies and, you know, all those things at bake sales. And never once did it occur to me to expand my bake sale into a national franchise. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, right? Well, in July 1922, the American Girl magazine, which I think is related to the Girl Scouts, provided a simple sugar cookie recipe. And they suggested that the Girl Scouts go and sell the cookies door to door, these these sugar cookies door to door, for 25 to 30 cents per dozen. So the girls were going to make the cookies themselves and then sell them in their neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. And lots of Girl Scouts talk about remembering that their moms and their grandmothers would bake them cookies and they would go and sell them door to door wrapped in little packages. Cute. If you sold your... Girl Scout cookies for 25 cents a dozen, that would be $4 today in today's money. In 1922, if they were 25 cents a dozen, today that would be $4. Well, today you can buy a box of Girl Scout cookies for $5, but I think there's more than a dozen cookies in there. So I think it's probably about the same. Really, they've been charging the same amount over all these years. Very reasonable. Yeah. Well, maybe I should feel badly about making my own, but I don't really because I want them them year-round. And also gluten-free. And also, we like to make homemade things. It's okay. And I'm going to undersell the Girl Scouts. I'll probably go for three fifty a, a dozen no, no, don't at do my that. table. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so in 1922, they were selling them door to door. They were baking them at home. And in 1936, the Girl Scouts licensed their first baker. And in 1939, cookie mints were released. Cookie mints. Like cookie lab, but mint. Exactly. The mint-flavored cookie lab. Uh, The cookie mints changed names so many times. They were called the chocolate mint, and then the thin mint, and then the cookie mint, and then the chocolate mint, and then back to the thin mints, plural, to thin mint, singular, and finally back to thin mints today wow this is all research that you were able to uncover i did in your with your supercomputer in your lab exactly typed in some algorithms and came up with that and so you talked about bakeries well the thin mints in their many different names were licensed to bakers all over the country and in 1948 about nine years after the cookie mints were released There were 29 different licensed bakeries. So it moved pretty fast. Yeah. Today, as you said, there are two. There's the ABC Bakeries in Richmond, Virginia, and they've been making Girl Scout cookies for about 80 years. Wow. Yeah. And the Louisville Little Brownie Bakeries, as you said, and they've been making their Girl Scouts cookies for 45 years, and they are owned by Keebler. Mm. So obviously the elves are making those cookies. Elfin magic at work. And also, I didn't know this, each Girl Scout council, local Girl Scout council, chooses their own baker of the two. Oh, I didn't know that. I assumed it would be regional. But I guess if they're both kind of east of the Mississippi, that couldn't be true. And did you say this already? That the bakers make completely different versions of the cookies? (laughs) No, I didn't. Oh, there there is, if you go on, on the internet... Uh, you will find a great debate about which baker has the better cookie. And apparently they taste 
completely different. So does that mean I've only ever had one kind in my life? I certainly have. I've only had one kind. So how can we make a scientific test? Can we get a hold of some from the other bakery? Well, hopefully a a Girl Scout from somewhere in the country will contact us and send us uh, the brand that we don't have. I can tell you which brand we do have because the Thin Mint made by Little Brownie Bakers in Louisville is an airy cookie with a crispiness and a bit of chew that resembles a meringue and a light peppermint taste. The ABC Thin Mint is dense and more minty and more crunchy. Hmm. The ABC Mint is the only mint available in the Boston area. So we've only had the ABC Mint. Yes. And... They are the national favorite. How do they make that decision? A nationwide poll. Of people who haven't tasted them? Of people who have tasted both, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to taste yours. Uh, yeah, uh, That is the time that we have come to. Has it? Has it arrived? Yeah. So I just made these simple chocolate disc cookies. They're like a chocolate butter cookie, kind of, uh, that you roll out and you use a two-inch cu- cookie cutter. And there's lots of refrigeration involved because you don't want them to spread very much. Right. You want it to be a perfect little disc. Yeah. And you want them nice and crispy. And then you let them cool and you dip them in chocolate. And you could dip them in all kinds of different chocolates. I happen to use semi-sweet chocolate. And both the cookie and the chocolate have peppermint extract added to them. Okay, it's going to be super minty. So it's going to be not a light accent of peppermint. It's going to be... It's going to be like a sledgehammer of And peppermint. I tried to make them similar to the Girl Scout cookie that we know and love. You ready? Well, let's, let's see how you did. Okay. Not bad. It's definitely minty. I'm a little distracted by the semi-sweet. What do we think it's supposed to be? Is it supposed to be semi-sweet? I don't know. I think the chocolate that they use is a darker chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cookie on its own. So props for that. And the, the cookie's a little, my cookie that I'm eating, and they're, they're because I rolled them out, they're not all the exact same size. No, well, they look pretty, pretty uniform. But my cookie's a little thicker than the Girl Scout cookie. We could call them thick mints. Not quite as crisp. No, but it's definitely crisp. You did a great job. Mm. It feels like it's a bigger, bolder... Mm-hmm. Like, I could eat, like, a hundred Thin Mints, but I think I could probably only eat a couple of these. And it's like... Yeah, probably it's only... more. There's more only, to it. Only ten. Right. Yeah. So I will call them the bigger, bolder Thin Mint. Oh, no, I think you should call them Thick Mint. Thick Mint. Yeah. <laughs> but spell it T-H-I-C-C. Okay. Like the kids do on the internet. Well, if you want your Thick Mint cookie... You can make them using the recipe that I've put up on our Facebook group. I'm interested in knowing how did you get the chocolate around the cookie? Oh my gosh. That was Like did you dunk it and that does was it a have comedy. an Achilles heel? Yeah. Yeah. So I used a double boiler and I melted chocolate chips and I added a little bit of oil and the peppermint extract and got that nice and as thin as I could possibly get it. But it was still very thick. I dunked the cookie in. Now, I wanted them to be nice and smooth like the Girl Scout cookies. 
And I wanted them covered on both sides. Yeah, how did you manage it? Yeah, so I tried a fork to begin with to move them around, but then like I couldn't get it out with just one fork. So I ended up using a <laughs> series of implements, uh, including... <laughs> Including, you're, I'm picturing you. You're having your Lucille Ball moment in the kitchen, exactly. With a, cookies flopping around in the hot chocolate, and you've got forks in each hand. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was it. Yeah, and and a pair of tongs and a spoon. <laughs> uh, so sometimes I use the fork. Sometimes I use the spoon to spread the chocolate around on top of them. I, there was also a spatula involved as mm. I I got less and less chocolate. Mm. It was um, it was a lot of fun. I was glad that I was alone and I had nothing else to do. I was in no rush, and then uh, and then you keep them frozen. So these are not a these are not a preacher cookie. No, 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 no. It involves you it's know, a project like three hours of refrigeration of the dough, mm. and the dough simple to make. But then you have to refrigerate it, and then you have to roll it out, and then you have to re-refrigerate it and bake it. Yeah, so it's good and tasty, and I like them, and they're a, gr- a great snack, and you have to eat fewer of them than you do of the Thin Mints from the Girl right. Scouts. But right, it's almost like a two-to-one ratio. One of the things that I used was Dutch Process Cocoa. Oh, yeah, tell me about that. Which is different than just regular baker's cocoa. And do you know where Dutch Processed Cocoa was invented? The Netherlands. In Holland, well, why are you asking me that? It's called Dutch processed cocoa. I know. Well, you know, it could have been somewhere else. I just thought. <laughs> that would have been surprising. I, w- I was so pleased to see that it was actually invented in Holland. in the, okay. in the Sometime in the 19th century. Quite a while ago, in the 1800s. I guess you could look at that either way. Yeah, right. Natural cocoa powder, the regular baker's cocoa powder that we use, is made right from roasted cocoa beans. Has nothing added to it. Like you roast them and grind them and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Make them into a powder. It's kind of acidic and bitter, if you've ever tasted it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid. Definitely. When I was a kid, I'd be like, ooh, this looks like, you know, you would think it was chocolate. Chocolate powder. Very disappointing to taste, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you can't make hot chocolate with it. You can't make... No. Uh, you just need it, to add a load of sugar, like if yeah. you're making scratch brownies. Yeah. And it's very strong, concentrated chocolate flavor, almost no sweetness. It's very similar, apparently, to 100% chocolate, which I, I don't think I've ever had. Which no one's ever had. No, that's not yeah. even possible. And you usually you mix cocoa powder with baking soda because of the acidic property of the of the cocoa powder and we know that baking soda doesn't have tartaric acid in it it's it's just pure baking soda sodium bicarbonate and so you know it's just you mix that with acid and you know what happens jill volcano right so cookies and brownies use regular baking cocoa powder and baking soda because that gives it a good rise and yeah get some air in there the color of this will always be a light chocolate brown dutch cocoa powder has been processed with an alkaline solution to counter the acidity so the cocoa is treated with either potassium or sodium bicarbonate and this makes it less acidic milder and creates a darker color For cooks, it's really important to know the acidity of Dutch cocoa is about 
neutral. It's almost the same as water. Wow. Or it's a slightly basic, oh. like eight on a scale of one to ten, with one being very acidic and, and ten being very basic. So it's, it falls somewhere between seven and eight. Cocoa powder, regular cocoa powder, is at a five. So it's, so it's much more quite acidic. Quite a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And if baking soda is the only leavening agent in your recipe and you're using Dutch processed cocoa, you'll have to add some other acid. Okay. This cookie had neither baking soda or baking powder. Wait a minute. How did you get it to uh, We didn't need it to rise. Great, great crunch oh we didn't need no, it to rise no very much in there at all there's a little bit and we used our egg white our friend the mm-hmm. egg white for the leavening mm-hmm. to make a little matrix yeah that protein matrix and it worked perfectly so yes i'm very impressed there's the science and the history of the thin mint cookie a delicious story and lesson i see that you're wearing a green cap and green pullover was that a nod an homage to your mint offering today it's an homage to the mint colored sash of the girl scouts that's right yes and this is the outfit that i'll be wearing as i sell them outside of the hardware store (laughs) that's your that's your Uh, girl scout uniform (laughs) yes and as the as the girls come over to steal my cookies i will say hey keep your paws off my cookies keep your paws off my thick mints (laughs) all right so we have more cookies for you next week i believe yes i've cooked up something quite special i can't wait and so hopefully everyone will come back for that next week definitely see you then chris all right bye jill bye it's cookie lab